Five Things in a Song, the podcast where we talk about five things and I play a little song. My name is Patrick McGuire, and my co-host is the lovely Om76 out in Los Angeles, California. Hello. What up, girl? Um, what up? Yeah, what up with Lots you? Lots of things. What up with you? Oh, man, that's what I just witnessed. There was raw enthusiasm, and I liked it. Oh, good. I'm glad. It was fake. That's either way, I'll take it because it's effort. <laughs> so I, I moved in with our drummer and we're recording our album or starting to write and record. Oh, nice. How's it going? It's going really well. It's uh, the songwriting stuff has been cool. I feel like it's a sort of a momentum thing. Like you just kind of have to get in the, the mode of it and and go. And you're ultimately going to write a bunch of stuff that you never put on the album. But I feel like we're really thinking of some good ideas. So I'm excited. Is that how you always work, just with one other person? No. Basically, I write the uh, the chords, like the chord progressions and the melodies and the lyrics. And then we'll all kind of come together and we'll talk about form and we'll talk about structure of things and uh, what could be improved. And then we'll kind of like produce and just fill in all the, uh, all the parts and everything. Well, that sounds fun. Yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, excited. you kind of make it sound like, well, I do everything, but then they just get to help at the end. Like, no, the no, if you could see, it's it's actually pretty crazy what uh what goes into it. Just how everything is scrutinized, every note, every little section every and everything. Yeah, that's what makes it good. Yeah, yeah. So, no, no, they, they do much more than I'm probably making it seem, but <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's it's just funny. I think a good song is a good song, but there's so much that goes into making things polished and shiny and exciting and layered layered exactly so um yeah uh so last night i went to a drinking establishment and the plan was to with my friends was to meet up at 7 30 and so I promptly showed up at 7.30, and this particular drinking establishment was fairly douchey, and I was alone, and I just was, I hated it. I hate, I hate showing you up hated places. hated fitting in so well? No. Oh. What? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm yeah, I not... am kidding you. Okay. You brat. I'm not douchey. I'm, no, I'm the opposite of that. I was so, I, I nearly had a panic attack. I was just like. Which is so stupid, but I just showed up on time and it was all crowded and I had my messenger bag and I had to like squeeze through everybody. Wait, did you say messenger bag? Messenger bag. Yeah. Yeah, I have a messenger bag. Sounds like you fit in pretty well. No, it wasn't. Are you kidding? It was a bro bar. It was like all They didn't these... have messenger bags in there? No, I was the only man with a messenger bag and I'm pretty sure someone said it was a purse, <laughs> uh, which it wasn't. It was a messenger bag. Where I keep my what music. What were you and... really messaging? Were you sending messages to people? No, that's where I keep my music equipment and my journal, which I was doing so right it before. Is a purse. I... No, I would. God damn it! It's not a purse. It's a messenger bag. It's not it's a, a messenger bag... bag unless you're like carrying messages in there. Okay, it was a journal where I wrote messages to myself, where I read them in the future and become a better person. Okay, are you happy? Jesus. <gasps> you actually right. read your journal? Yes, I read my fucking journal. I, I write can't lyrics. read my journal. Why not? It's too embarrassing. I'm awful. <laughs> don't I don't like that. to be confronted with my own awfulness. Well, it, when you write songs, you have to do that. You have to. 
I mean, you have to get inspiration from somewhere. So you, right. have to, <laughs> you have to write things down and remember them and then try to make them poetic. Right. I don't know. Every, everyone has their own process. But anyway, douche bar. Back to the douche okay, bar. Okay. So I was at the douche bar where, I mean, hey, you. I, I mean, maybe you think I'm a douche. I really don't think I am. I have that tendency sometimes, but I really try to suppress it with lots of uh, sensitivity and um, and suppress cold showers. Douchery. Yeah, I suppress it. So I was at this bar, and then everyone's like, yeah, we'll be there at 7.30. And then I showed up at 7.30, and then they didn't get there till 7.45. So it's basically 15 minutes of me just drinking in my big coat and my messenger bag uh, and just, like, looking at my phone when I don't need to. And I tweeted out, uh, you know, I'm I'm alone at the bar, not looking dissimilar to a handsome ser- uh, serial killer. <laughs> Because it's like, I just feel like, I'm like, who goes to a bar alone and just sort of stands in the middle of everybody and just doesn't know where to sit? And it's like that feeling when you're, you know, a new kid in school and there's nowhere to sit at the cafeteria, except you're an adult and it's way worse. Yeah, like. it is pretty bad, but it's not rare at all. You know, it's not no, like it's if not. you looked around the bar, you would see somebody else there that was alone waiting for their friends. 7.30 is awfully early to be agreeing to meet for, meeting for drinks. Well, that was the agreed upon time. Okay. My topic is being late, and what I really want to talk about is how everyone seems to be late. So I was I was thinking, maybe I'll start showing up 15 minutes later than the original time, just so I don't have to go through these experiences. But then it's like, then I let the terrorists win if I if I choose to be late like them. And then what if they choose to be 15, be 15 minutes later than the agreed-upon time? So then they're a full 30 minutes later, and then it just the whole system goes haywire, and then we're always late for things. Why don't you just wait in your car with a novel and then just, just text them, I'm here, and then therefore they have to text you when they're there, and then you can just get out when yeah. everyone's there. I mean, it's not a foolproof plan. I mean, first off, it's real cold in Denver, so you can't. Oh, I mean, are, are you fuck. gonna be sitting sitting in your car just with the the heat on? I mean, I was actually at a, I was at a coffee establishment writing some entries into my journal, and so then I just walked over. But I mean, yeah, we can do something like that. But I guess my thing is, uh, I sound like an old man, but I don't give a shit. It's just why is everybody late and the, for no good reason? And these people. The particular people I were meeting, they didn't have kids or wives or whatever. I was just like, guys, what the fuck? Like, you have no reason not to be here on time. So, I mean, it was 15 minutes. It didn't matter. But it's just funny how 15 minutes alone in a bar that you don't want to where you don't want to be there. You're just like, God, I just feel awful about myself. Well, that's why smartphones are there for the rescue. I know, but there's just only so much you can do. No, there's there's infinite things you can do. Like what? You can read a book. Don't you have the Kindle <laughs> app on your phone? I don't, see. I guess I'm like an old man because I would rather just read a book. Well, why don't you bring one? You've got a purse. It's not a purse. It's a messenger bag where I keep items that why I need. Why don't you keep a it. message that's a paperback novel in there? <laughs> I I did actually. I ha- I was reading Marie Cardi's book. I I'm I'm just uh see. I agree with you, but I'm also the kind of person that's late. I'm really bad at figuring out how long things are going to take. Like, setting up the podcast equipment always takes longer than I think it is. And the main reason is, I don't know where my earbuds are. I need my earbuds in order to talk to you, and I can't remember where I put them ever. Yeah. So the last five minutes before I get on the phone with you are always just me frantically looking for my earbuds. (laughs) Yeah, I think... disorganized, and that that... comes out in my lateness. Yeah, and that's fine. I don't know. I, I think for me to function, I just get to places 10 minutes early. 
then I just, that's just how I work. And then when I do all my lessons, my music lessons in the afternoons, that's the only way that I can show up to places on time is if I plan to be early because right. there's always traffic and all that sort of stuff. So Because you have an actual schedule and, and appointments that you need to be on time to, a lot of people just don't. You know, a lot of people, the only appointments that they have are ones that they can be flaky on. So they just don't ever learn how much time things take. Or they just have to go to work. The the one place that is stationary, like that's the one job they go to every day. They're probably 15 minutes late to work every day, too. Probably. And if I were their boss, I would just, I would have their heads served up on a silver platter. I want to talk about chick lit. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Feminine literature? Sure. Okay. So I'm reading a novel right now, which is somewhat out of character for me. And I heard about it on Twitter from this British writer that I follow named Alain de Botton. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. But um, anyway, the, the book has a title that makes it kind of sound like chick lit. And it's called The Love Affairs of Nathaniel P., by Adele Waldman. <laughs> and I object to this title because it does not accurately re- represent the book. It doesn't actually have anything to do with what the book is about. Um, not only that, it's just, it, it was obvious that it was chosen by a marketing team to position the book to sell it to, to readers of Chicklet. And I'm kind of realizing now that since I've never given Chicklet a chance, it's possible that there are a lot of books that are positioned by marketing teams as chicklet that are a, are a little more complex than their covers would lead you to believe. Because when you go to the bookstore, you've seen these. They, they look like they're all about the same thing. There's a picture of a martini glass. There's an illustration of an incredibly thin woman. There's maybe a picture of some high-heeled shoes um, or a shopping bag. It, it all looks like every single chicklet book is a paperback version of Sex in the City. <laughs> Am I wrong about this? Have you just I, never looked because you're like that isn't for me, therefore I will not even uh, I will not even look my eyes at it. Not only do I not look at it, I don't even register it as an image. What this reminds me of is is this movie called Drinking Buddies on Netflix. Have you seen it? No. Uh it's like really really good. It's uh, it's actually this very well-done complex movie about um Two, two couples who are in different relationships who sort of fall for the other person. And that, I guess, does sound like a romantic comedy. The poster for the movie was like, four friends plus alcohol, let's get in some trouble. And it was like, that does not represent this movie at all. It's like a very well done, modern, heartfelt movie about real relationships and cheating and all that sort of stuff. And it was like, this is just the biggest bullshit I've ever seen. So it was totally, it's like, Let's market this to everybody because not a lot of people are going to like it, and especially right. not not the ending. But I guess this is just a, a like two examples of that old adage: "Don't judge a book by its cover," in its most straightforward way. I mean, that's kind of like saying, "Don't judge a hipster by his twisty mustache." <laughs> you you can't not look at something and try to guess what's inside, but I guess that's why marketing just sucks because they they misrepresent things in order to trick people into reading them or to watching them people that are not the right demographic yeah because because i mean all they're after is that that money basically and 
the kind of person that's that's wanting to watch a movie and they're like oh comedy about four like two couples who who drink a lot and have sex with each other they're gonna watch this movie and be super bummed out and bored and they're probably not gonna finish it (laughs) so uh but i guess it doesn't matter as long as they rent the movie on itunes or uh stream it on netflix or whatever whatever generates revenue for people i think about how many books I've never even considered opening because they have some sort of genre that seems like unappealing to me, like all of the sci-fi books and, and fantasy novels. I just would never even pick them up or murder mysteries. Just anything that's super genre-y just seems tacky. Have you read uh, Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut? Yeah. Oh, you have? Okay. That That's one where... I try to explain what it's about, and then people are like, that sounds horrible. Like, a novel that's about World War II that also has science fiction in it, and it doesn't sound like it would work, and yet it is one of the best, I don't know, it's one of the best books I've ever but that, read. that novel is known as a classic. I'm talking about stuff that's in the bookstore today. Yeah. You know. That's true. Classics don't count. You You can always pick up a classic and expect it to be good, no matter what the description on the back says. Yeah, because, I mean, that's been vetted over years, and he's one of America's greatest, you know, greatest novelists and everything. Yeah, that's a good point. He's, like, one of America's greatest general dudes. <laughs> he's, he's a great person. I really like his work. Have you noticed that, like, reading a book can be really lonely? Because unless you're reading a blockbuster that everyone's read, you don't have anybody to talk about it with. Yeah, that it does feel like that. I get so wrapped into books that... When they end, I'll feel really, really sad and like kind of like I've gotten to know these characters and now they're just gone. And yeah, they just die before your eyes. But that, that, uh, that I think if you feel like that means that you've just read something really remarkable. Right. And hopefully it hasn't been marketed as a piece of garbage. Yeah. So are you saying that this one that you're reading is much better than you thought it would be? It's much more complex. It's not, I don't actually. I don't think it's bad, but I'm not really enjoying it very much. Yeah. But I think that's my own fault. Huh. I might not be the proper demographic for it. I think it's maybe for a, a reader of Chicklet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, no, I, I, I have a hard time enjoying books these days, um, but I, I'm only halfway through it. I'm, I'm, expecting it to, uh, I'm expecting this book to pull through. Yeah. Huh. Well, that's cool. Yeah, you really, I don't know. I, I think these days with the whole marketing thing, yeah, they're just basically trying to get money. So they'll they'll market it to whoever, you know? Yeah. Although there's going to be a lot of bored, angry, horny moms probably reading that. And they're like, it's too complex. It's too complex. There's not enough fantasy. There's not enough shopping. There's not enough Carrie Bradshaw. Who's Carrie Bradshaw? She's, uh, I think that's the name of the woman on Sex and the City. Oh, Yep, again, you're just basically speaking another language. I did see a movie version of Sex and the City that was like the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Those did did not look good. Well, and you probably were like, that is for women, therefore I would not look <laughs> at it. Yeah, although, you know what I'm catching myself doing on this podcast when it comes to, to women stuff? I'm like basically saying, I'm that heterosexual of a man that I don't even know what you're talking about. Which is really, which is really funny because I do know what you're talking about, but I am that heterosexual of a man that I don't really know what you're talking about. Yeah. Know what I mean? Right. You only read a book that has a sword on the cover. <laughs> yeah, a sword or a dragon. 
tits or some titties. Yeah. <laughs> Titty Slayer. I was wondering, do you ever go out with your lady friends or any friends? Could be a man or a lady. And do they ask you to be uh, their wing lady for them? Yes, there's one friend in particular that I play that role for and I don't like it. But go ahead. Is that a frequent thing that happens? I feel like I have this one friend. The only reason she'll ever call me is because she needs a wingman. Oh, really? Yeah, I kind of realized that late in the game, and then it made me feel sort of shitty. That's Does she ever do that for you, or would she ever? No. What? That's crazy. I'll, I'll let you talk first, and then I'll maybe go into my situation. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, I just think it's the whole wingman thing is really funny, because how guys work, they'll literally do anything to get you laid, to get you <laughs> to go have sex. And if it happens, it just... I don't know. It's kind of like Christmas morning. Wait, can you back up and explain to me what the role of the wingman is? Okay, the role of the wingman is to do whatever you can to just sort of be with your buddy and not only not talk them up because I think that's too obvious, but sort of do whatever you need to do, stay wherever you need to stay, drive them wherever you need to drive them in order for them to hook up or hook up or make out with this person. Basically, like the other night, I hung out with my friend who will remain anonymous. And the friend is not me because I'm the wingman in the situation. <laughs> and so, so hold your horses. And this friend, <laughs> this friend hooked up with this girl, New Year's of 2013. So 2012 going into 2013, uh, forgot her name, forgot what she looked like. And she had his number and was sort of texting him throughout the year, just kind of, kind of like hey i heard your band was playing here or i or even i saw your band play at this festival good job or whatever so uh, he's in a band that oh makes crap him a little I, less damn it, anonymous I just, doesn't it yeah i'm making i'm giving it away maybe i'll cut that part out but no. hey I, <laughs> but it, i don't understand how you can forget what somebody looks like in this day and age with facebook and selfies and all that shit well alcohol um that's that's the big that's the factor if, oh so yeah. he didn't even know her name no he had no idea so New Year's or not New Year's, but after New Year's this year, we were hanging out and my friend was kind of on the prowl, as they say. And so he she was texting him and he was like, fuck it, let's just meet up. So we met up and my job the whole night was to hang out with her friend, which was fine, but nothing was going to happen. And we had a few drinks and went back to one of the girls houses. And my my move when I don't want anything to happen when I'm like, night's over for me, is I'll just go on the couch and just uh, curl up in a ball and like put a blanket over my head. And I'm kind of like, shut down for business. Wait a second. So that's not your sex move? No, no, that is, that's my, I want to go to sleep move. Every time I see a guy curled up with a blanket over his head, I just assume that he wants it. <laughs> no, that's me wanting to go to sleep. So I did that and he you know, had his, the other girl left and went home and then he, you know, he got lucky with his lady, but I laid in, or I laid on the couch till like 10 that next morning and I get oh up at, God. I know. And I get up at like seven thirty, and my phone was dead. And so, but I guess my point is all that 
well, I did all that just to, you know, accommodate my buddy. And it's kind of like, yep, of course, that's what we'll do for each other. That's the camaraderie that we have. Well, in my case, I think I was misinterpreting what you meant by wingman. Uh, in my case, I have this friend who's a tall, fit, blonde woman who's younger than me, and she's really attractive. And the only time she wants me to hang out is if she's kind of after a guy and she needs someone around that's not going to compete with her. Oh. So she she wants me to be her ugly friend so she looks better. What the fuck? That's terrible. I know. And I'm always I'm always stuck in these awkward situations where it's not my goal to get her laid, but it's just my goal to keep her company while she goes to some bar where there's like a bartender she likes and is cute, gives her a chance to come flirt with him without having to go to the bar and specifically admit, I am here to see you, guy. She can just kind of go under the ruse that she's there with her friend who's never going to be stealing attention from her. Yeah, but I mean, you could too, you know, he could be way more into you than, than uh, he is into her. I guess, but I've never, I've never tried. I've, I've never wanted to. But maybe he'll sense that and he'll be like, oh, I like the girl who's, who has calm confidence and who's a nice person instead of a shithead. <laughs> I have a feeling that if I tried to upstage her even once by being funnier or smarter or more interesting, she would never call me again. Yeah, well, maybe, I don't know. This maybe lady, yeah, this lady does not sound like a good a good lady, woman lady to be spending your nights with. That's my opinion. She's not all bad. I, I hope she doesn't listen to this, but, or figure out that I'm talking about her. Yeah. <laughs> but when she does do that, it, it doesn't make me feel great. Yeah, that's, women are vicious, man. That's just so, uh, that's so mean. I guess to contrast that, uh, I, I've, when it's not mean. It's not something she's doing to me, but she is kind of using me as a tool. Yeah, but, but I doesn't... mean, that's all wingmen are being used as a tool. Yeah, that's true. Although I think if there's sometimes there's a chance, I don't know, or the ideal scenario for two single people to go out together is not for one to go meet somebody that they like, but for both of you to, you know. So I think that's kind of like if you met this bartender and his friend or something rather than just the one dude. And you're just kind of sitting there. Right. But this is a situation before there's like a date that's happened. There's, this is pre date. This is still in like, I'm trying to get his attention initially. phase. Hmm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just to contrast that. I mean, my band has driven me, I don't know, all sorts of places after shows to, to help me out. And as far as that stuff goes, I have a question though. Would you ever want to have a wingman who's a lot more attractive than you? Um, hmm, no, but I think it's kind of different for guys. I How think because so? I think I don't know, or maybe I'm wrong, but I think a lot of it is more, or a lot of it is fueled by personality. Like I would just, I would never show up to a place and sort of you know with really nice hair and dress nice and just sort of like flex and look really confident and be like come get it ladies where i think a girl can do something like that and dudes will be like yeah she's cool she's really deep she likes good music like imagine dragons she's really cool (laughs) so your job though my point though is that your job as the wingman is to not steal focus from the main the, the main dude yeah i mean if I'm going out and I'm providing that role and my friend likes this girl, then my job is to be 
kind of quirky, kind of funny, and just. But if you were just obviously more attractive than the, than your friend, yeah, that that get that puts him in a trouble spot. That's true. I mean, I feel like me and this friend that I'm thinking about are pretty evenly matched. As well, far typically as the... friends are, which is when you're when you have a friend who's a lot more attractive than you, you have to ask yourself, what's their motivation? <laughs> hmm. I don't know. Because usually friends hang out with other people that are similar to them. That like look like them. Yeah, actually, a lot of people just hang out with people who look exactly like them. That's a Tinder phenomenon that I've noticed. Because sometimes if I'm flipping through and there's a picture or there's a profile picture of eight girls and they're all pretty hot. I'm just they all look alike. I'll just say, all right, I don't have time for this to find out what you look like. All of you. Cool. Like, (laughs) I'll just accept it. That's weird. I would. I think it's immoral to put a, a picture of eight people as your profile photo on Tinder. <laughs> immoral? Yeah, I think God frowns upon that. So I want to talk about Daiso, which is a Japanese dollar store that's moving into America. Whoa. And I hate to talk about another shopping-related thing because I don't want to alienate you entirely. Because I understand <laughs> you are a very, very heterosexual male. <laughs> yep. And things that are shopping-related or girly in any way are just things that are off your radar. Yep, don't they don't even register. Um, But let me tell you this. I'll just talk and I'll pretend that you're somebody else, that you're not Patrick. You're like... Let me just tell you this, and I'll pretend like you're a girlfriend of mine. All right, cool. So Daiso has three locations that I've been to in the L.A. area, and they sell everything. And what I mean by everything is anything that you could normally get at another store for under $7 that's not food, they have it. Um, and their dollar stores are $1.50 for everything because it's about equivalent. That's about the rough exchange rate. Uh, from 100 yen. There's 100 yen stores in Japan that are just like our dollar stores. Um, and they're in, in Japan, Daiso is everywhere. There's 2,570 locations in, in Japan. And that's a small country compared to us. <laughs> um, in America, there are only 11 so far. But they're opening more all the time. I'm addicted to this place. I can't stop going there. When I go there, everything's a dollar fifty, so I just kind of go ape shit. But I'll have you name something that you can get for under seven dollars at a store, and I'll tell you if they have it there. I'm just looking around the room for things. Can you get an extension cord there? Yes. That's awesome. So household items, kitchen supplies, food storage, trash cans, badminton sets, back massagers, gardening supplies, shower stuff. Makeup, stationery. I bought a piggy bank there the other day. <laughs> Sunglasses, art supplies. Like you can buy gouache, which is kind of like a, a watercolor style paint in hmm. tubes. Um, cookware, gift wrap. So you can imagine a woman just going apeshit in these places. Because nothing that you grab is going to be over $1.50. You don't have to sit there and hem and haw or wonder how much it is. Yeah, that is crazy. Is this stuff good though? Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, you saw those gloves. Yeah. <laughs> They're not bad. They're, I mean, I would pay probably 4 or $5 for those. That's pretty nice. That's a good quality quality thing that you found. 
anyway, so I'm stoked about Daiso and I wish I could stop going there. But I'm since I am off clothes shopping online, like I talked about several episodes ago, how I was sort of addicted to shopping online. I've quit that. But unfortunately, it's sort of moved over. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, you know, wow. I, I want to relate to the subject here, but I just that just made me think of sex addiction. And if it's a real thing. Oh, if sex addiction is a real thing? Yeah. Not that your shopping is anything like sex addiction, but because you were like addicted to online shopping and that turned into the Daiso shopping. And I don't know. I was just wondering if sex addiction was real for some reason. I believe that it is real. Um, If you ever listen to Loveline, Dr. Drew would always talk to people and tell them they're sex addicts. It seems like it's a real thing. But I know that um, a lot of people, when they give up, alcohol or anything else that's addictive they often turn to jesus and kind of become like hardcore addicted to jesus yeah i mean that's that's kind of like if you have an addictive personality and you lose one thing you you have to sort of substitute something else yeah that's true and can just throw themselves completely into something like that yeah so that so this is your jesus I guess. I don't really think I have an addictive personality, but I think I have a consumptive personality. Is that different? Um, Maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, do you need these things? No. There are hmm. things that are useful that I actually do use. Like, if there's anything that I that I do need that's there, I'll go there to buy it. But I often buy things that I don't need. And I often eat things when I'm not hungry. Yeah, that's everybody, though. I mean... Oh, okay. Yeah. I love ice cream. I'll just eat it damn, I know. all the time. God damn it. Uh, my friend one time, did I say this on the podcast? I don't think I did. He's like, I don't like ice cream. And I was like, you are an asshole. He's no, like, you told me about the friend that only eats vanilla. Yeah. Yep. This is him. Oh, God. This <laughs> he's guy, like, he's, he's like, because I really don't, I don't know. I just don't like it. And I'm like, fuck, man. This guy has problems. Well, he does. Yeah. And he's, he's too skinny. You know? Oh, he is. Well, no. And his taste yeah. buds don't work. <laughs> Poor guy. No, he's he's fine. He's a, he's a great dude. But he it's needs so funny. therapy. <laughs> I wish I was like that though. I wish I was like, yeah, I just had an orange for dessert. Good night. Yeah, I want to talk about meditation. So, kind of, I was mentioning this a little bit earlier today in our podcast, but. Uh, I actually have panic attacks. Uh-huh. I kind of got diagnosed with those like a year ago. Yeah. And, you know, I went to therapy for a while and that was really helpful. And, uh, and I've been trying some other things, but a big help has been meditation because mm-hmm. I think in our lives, especially with the prevalence of smartphones, we're just constantly distracted and engaged and, uh, our mind is always, kind of not clear you know and i think there's at least for me a big connection between that stuff and panic attacks so why um because i think you know if you're a very introverted person you feel a lot of things and they kind of get mixed up within you and it's hard to express how you feel and i know for me when i'm feeling like overwhelmed that's when i might have one Okay. So it's not something as simple as I'll walk into a bar and feel nervous and have a panic attack. It's more kind of emotional stuff, I guess, that kind of mm-hmm. comes up. 
but so, how you were saying that you think that like the smartphone and being distracted all the time uh, falls into that category, or it it um, causes more anxiety. Yeah, at least for me, because instead of just kind of thinking through things and kind of recognizing thoughts for what they are or whatever, or really, you know, being able to identify, I feel this way or this way. You're like, oh, I'll just pull out my phone and write a stupid tweet or <clears throat> check my email or text somebody or do something, something. I know, and this is really similar to that whole Louis C.K. bit. Did you see him on Conan? Yeah. So I think it's sort of like that, but I think I think that's true that it's not as simple as I'm using my phone to avoid sadness. But well, I, I, think, I see what you mean. You're, you're saying that you're using your phone to kind of run away from your own thoughts. Yeah, or to just be... Yeah, to be kind of doing, keeping busy or doing something, even though, I don't know, 60% of the time I'm on my phone, I don't need to be. Right. Which is, which is really not healthy. So I feel like meditation is sort of the opposite of that, where you just sit there for, you know, 10, 15, 30 minutes, and you do nothing. And you clear, you just keep clearing your mind and coming back to your breath. And, you know, this is one of those things where, yeah, I'm an atheist and I don't believe in God or anything like that. But I also don't believe in the healing power of crystals or <laughs> or do you know what I mean or any of that shit. So right. I was I was a little hesitant to to try it. But I mean there's there's actual proof that this stuff works, you know. Right. I don't I don't consider yoga or meditation to be in this along the same lines as like crystals or astrology or any of that stuff. There's they're totally different categories in my mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where there's, I mean, and my whole thing is proof. Like this yoga, if you do it, it is a scientific fact that that stuff is really good for you, you know? Right. And meditation, uh, I, I think kind of with the continuing, you know, dominance of just technology and us as people being distracted all the time, we're really going to need, at least people like me, stuff like to like stuff like meditation to, to calm down and to sort of gain some sort of sense of clarity. Yeah. Do you ever do you have anything like panic attacks? I used to. I haven't had one in a long time. I do have general anxiety a lot. Mm-hmm. There are things that I there's there's just like standard adult grown up things that I can't do sometimes because I'm just having uh I'm just having anxiety that doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's unwarranted, I should say. I'm having unwarranted uh anxiety about basic things. Yeah. Like returning a phone call or something like that ends up being such a big deal in my brain. Me too, though. I mean, we, you know, we talked about phone calls. Yeah. Although I, I feel like that about a lot of things. And it's kind of funny <clears throat> because in hindsight, I've had I've had them for a while and I've always been a really anxious person. But I remember, uh, did you watch Arrested Development? Yeah. So with like Buster and it's like, oh, he's got these panic attacks and it's so like silly and funny. And then... I mean, mine never, not mine never happened like that. Like I have different symptoms that are sometimes really subtle, and then sometimes really, you know, like a person could definitely tell that mm-hmm. I that I'm not feeling really good. Right. Uh, although no one no no one has ever known. Like I've told a lot of people that I have panic attacks and stuff, and they they have no idea. I think that's because they think of a panic attack as someone wigging out, and that's not how they work. Yeah, exactly. They just. Yeah, it's a physical manifestation of it, but it's not like a freak out. Well, for yeah, exactly. It's not drama. It's not dramatized. Um, (laughs) 
my mine are really subtle and it's mainly just or it's just completely internal like all and again because i think the nature of my thoughts are not always very concrete or easy to tell how i'm thinking or what i'm feeling so just i'll feel something and i'll be like why and then it's like my heart is like ba bump ba bump ba bump ba bump just beating really fast and just like this huge wave of adrenaline and then just that leads to another one and then another one and it gets kind of nasty but I don't know. The meditation has helped a lot and, uh, you know, journaling in my messenger bag has helped a lot. Right. Mm hmm. Well, you're an artist. We all expect you to feel a lot of things. Yeah. It sucks though. For us. You got to feel it for us. <laughs> yeah. You're like a feeling ambassador. some feeling for us do you have a song for us today i do i was thinking of doing a um another original one by flashbulb fires oh yeah i hate it when i make that sound by the way (laughs) 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 oh hate myself no don't hate yourself because i love you oh thank you you're welcome okay what's the name of the song uh dark ghost i know this one by heart (laughs) (laughs) I've got arms that are reaching for the sky Reverent hands and a soul that's said to never die And I know that you will lift me up Oh my God, when will you lift me up? A wretched lust has been banging on the door With subtlety a purpose that is true and sure And I know that she's been taking time For the moment that I'll call her mine Oh, what faithful patient sorrow Daughter, I won't feel it tomorrow No, I won't
That's a great song. Thank you. I've heard that about a thousand times. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, I should tell people that they can download the album version of that, right? That's yeah. the free track on For... flashbulb.fires.bandcamp.com. Yeah, flashbulbfires.bandcamp.com. So, this has been Five Things in a Song. Please like us on Facebook, you dummies, at facebook.com slash five things in a song. Five is written out. I'm Om76. My name is Patrick McGuire. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.